This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Most of you know uh, that I, one of my hobbies is running, right? And, and for some of you, you, you might consider me to be a little bit OCD on the whole running thing, because uh, I kind of just keep on going, right? Well, a, a week ago, Saturday, it was, it was a really nice day as well, too. Maybe not quite as nice as yesterday, but I, I had a lot of things to do. So I got up early. I went for the run, and, and I went, and I, I saw my nephews play basketball. And I was kind of in a hurry because I, I needed to get back home uh, on this nice, beautiful day so I could watch TV, okay? Because what was on TV was the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, okay? So I had to hurry up and get home so I could watch a bunch of men and women run 26.2 miles, right? I'm such a nerd. <laughs> it was so cool, <laughs> right? And, and so they're, they're running this course, and it was in Atlanta, went through downtown Atlanta. It was three loops, and then at the end, they had this extra little leg and stuff like that. But this course was a super tough course. It was really hilly, okay? And, and, and you know, right, from like just walking up hills that that, that takes more energy. And, and when you're running uphill, it takes a, a lot more energy and, and things like that. And so the runners, those who wanted to be on the Olympic team, they had to know that. They had to acknowledge that in their training, there was going to be hills there or those hills were going to decimate them, right? They had to do special training for that. Well, that all makes sense, right? But maybe what you don't know is, is that when you're running downhill, uh, while it takes less energy, that actually pounds your body like crazy, okay? Uh, and so they had to train for running up the hills and they had to train running down the hills. They had to acknowledge what was in front of them or they weren't gonna be able to make it through, okay? So here's the thing. You and I need to acknowledge where we're at. We need to acknowledge real life so we can make our way through. Because you see, we're, we're no longer running on a flat course. Okay? So like I mentioned earlier, today we're going to begin a, a sermon study on, on the book of First Peter. It was written about 1,900 years ago, but I, I want you to know that as we go through this, what you're going to go is, oh man, might as well have been written today because it applies to today, okay? And we're going to be calling this study The Way of the Exiles. So let's jump in, First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, so these words tell us who the author is and who it's written to. And so the author is a guy named Peter. And Peter, a lot of you will know, is one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus. Uh, and furthermore, Peter is the one who is the spokesman for all the disciples. And so when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter's the one going, I know, I know, I got it. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. Okay, that's, that's Peter. This 
Peter, who wrote this book, is the same Peter who, when he saw Jesus walking on water, after Peter picked himself up from astonishment and amazement of seeing someone walk on water, go, hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. Jesus, can I do that too? And Jesus says, come on out. And Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water, and everything's good as long as he has his eyes on Jesus. But he takes his eyes off. Jesus looks down at the waves, goes, ah, and sinks. And Jesus has to rescue him. That's this Peter who wrote this book. This is the, the Peter who wrote this book is the guy who said to Jesus, Jesus, no matter what happens, I'm with you through thick and thin. I'll never deny you, even if I have to die. You always count on me. Uh, and, and this is the Peter who, within 12 to 18 hours at most of saying that, of assuring Jesus is going to be with him, denied Jesus. Uh, not just one time or, or two times, but, but three times. Okay. Uh, the Peter who, who wrote this book is, is the same Peter that Jesus, after Jesus' resurrection, uh, was reinstated to be one of the disciples of Jesus. And, and so this Peter then is the one who starts any number of new congregations for that early Christian church. And this Peter is, is one that, within a few years of writing this book, is actually going to die in persecution uh, by the hands of Nero, the Roman emperor. And church history tells us that, that Peter's going to die, dies by crucifixion, uh, but not just crucifixion, but upside down crucifixion. Okay? So that's the guy that's, that's writing this book. Who's he writing to besides you and me? Because <laughs> he's writing to you and me as well. He's writing to those believers way back then who were exiles, who were scattered, who were dispersed in that Roman persecution. They were believers that Emperor Nero had moved forcibly from their homes to the area that is now present-day Turkey, okay? And, and so that's where they lived, but that's not where they belonged, right? They, they stood out. Uh, they were excluded from their family and friends, their traditions, and their customs. They were outsiders nationally, ethnically, and religiously. Again, they, they just stood out, right? They were persecuted by their employers and by their neighbors. They were restricted to whom they could marry and where they could live. They were at the mercy of the mercy less. They were suffering for their Christian faith. They were suffering in the name of Jesus. For some of us here, we grew up in a, a completely different culture than that, right? Uh, for some of us here, we grew up in a Christian culture here in the United States. It's the way it was, right? I, I mean, it was easy to be a, a Christian, uh, at least if for no other reason that everybody claimed to be a Christian, whether they were or not. Is another thing, but it was just, it was okay. It was a good thing to be a Christian. And, and the persecution, the oppression that we suffered by the hands of our government was, was pretty much just once a year when the government made us move up our clocks an hour and we'd lose an hour of sleep. You know, it was that hard, you know, on us. And, and, and for others of us, the, the persecution that we felt 
uh, as, as Christians, we're really from, from other Christians, right? So, so like if, if we were Lutheran and our church service was at the same time as the Catholic church service, well, we better get out before they do so we can get to the restaurant before they do. Otherwise, we're going to have to wait in line for breakfast or brunch, right? That was pretty much the extent of how difficult things were. But we live in a different time. Okay? We live in a different time. We need to acknowledge that. The United States is no longer culturally Christian. It is no longer nominally Christian. It is post-Christian. Okay? We need to acknowledge that. Have you ever felt like you were on the outside? That you were in exile, if you will? Yeah, maybe it was in a, a college classroom, uh, a big lecture hall with maybe three, four hundred students or more, and, and the professor is up there and, and just ripping on the whole concept of God. And there you were, right? Or maybe you're out with your friends to eat, maybe just grabbing some appetizers or a beer or some wine or something, and you're just talking about this, that, and, and everything, and, and religion comes up, and, and your friends determine, really, they come together and say, yeah, you know, all religions are basically the same. And there you are, thinking about Jesus dying on the cross, going, that's not the same. Or maybe you're watching TV and, and you're hearing a report of another state or a, another court trying to redefine marriage. Maybe you're at work and you're at a break and you're going to read God's word, read the Bible. Maybe you got the book or maybe you just pull out uh, your phone and you're looking at one of the apps, reading the Bible, one of the apps, or maybe listening to Spotify or Pandora, a little Christian music, and one of your coworkers goes by and sees what you're doing and gives you that look, oh, you're one of those. Maybe feel like uh, an exile in your own home. Maybe there was a time where you wondered, is it safe to share Jesus here. See, we, we need to acknowledge that the United States is no longer culturally Christian. It's no longer nominally Christian. We're in a post-Christian time. And, and, and we need to acknowledge that Christianity throughout, the, throughout time, have, Christians have been oppressed and persecuted. I was reading a report this past week that actually is from May of, of last year, but the report from the Anglican Communion News Service said that of all the religious groups throughout the whole world, Christians are the most persecuted. Okay? It, it said that out of, of all the people that are persecuted out throughout the world for their religious faith, 80% of them are Christian kind of the way it's been. There was this little blip in our history of this cultural Christianity thing. You know? For some of us, this is hard news, right? Uh, for some of us, we grew up in that cultural Christianity thing. And as we look around today, it, it's not like it used to be. It, it's not how we thought it was going to be. It, it's not how we dreamed it was going to be. We, we watch the news, we hear a news story, and we think to ourselves, what is the world coming to? 
and we get concerned and we worry about the faith of our children. And, and then we even go a little bit further and we think, oh my goodness, if my children have children, what's it gonna be like for them? And if we're not careful, we fall into that woe is me mode. We maybe get angry then, or maybe we just step back and just, I can't do anything about it, right? So where's hope in all of this? Well, our world has a couple of answers. Uh, world says you can find hope in progress, okay? Politically, progress is when our candidate gets in the White House or stays in the White House, right? We can, we can have progress as long as our candidate is, is leading, leading the ship. It's progress. Medically, uh, with technology and science and everything, we're making huge strides. Things that we do today, 15, 20 years ago, we never even thought of. And what they were doing 15, 20 years ago, people 10 years before that, never, that is impossible. And we're doing all these things. And, and right today, the big deal is the coronavirus. And, and I don't doubt, I don't doubt that it won't be long before we have a vaccine for it. But what I want you to keep in mind is if you look back to the year 2000 or so, it's like every couple of years, there's something new. Every couple of years, there's something new. And, and if we find a vaccine for the coronavirus or, or not, I want you to remember now the death rate still today is moving right at 100%. Okay? World's progress only goes so far. The other way the world offers hope is through escapism. And, and escapism this way, that, that the story, your story is the story, okay? And so you go out and you experience everything you can before it's too late, before it's gone, okay? You go have all these experiences because it's all about you before it's too late. Another version of escapism in our culture, too, though, is, is through chemical abuse, right? I want you to understand, and I know, I know that many of you know this, right? Christianity is not about progress. It is not about escapism. Christianity is about the resurrection. Christianity is about living hope. First Peter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, here's the deal. Christianity is about Jesus, and he's alive. It's about living hope. Okay, this isn't hope like we normally talk about, right? Like, I, I hope it doesn't rain, or I hope I get a nap in this afternoon, right? Or I, I hope I get the job promotion, or I hope I can find a, a parking spot. Those, that's just wishful thinking. We have no idea whether that's going to come true or not. But biblical hope is based on the person, work, and promises of Jesus, and it's reliable because it's on God's character. 
living hope is based on the work of Jesus. You see, in, in virtually every one of our worship services, when we come together, right, we have our, our first praise song, we do our, our greeting, and, and then we go into that forgive us, renew us, and lead us part, right? And see, I don't know if you know, this is where we talk about the work of Jesus, okay? Well, when we talk about that, that he lived a perfect life, that's the work of Jesus. He lived a perfect life. It wasn't easy. It was work. He lived a perfect life for us. And then we talk about he, he died an innocent death for us. That's the work of Jesus. He's the only one who was innocent. He's the only one who could die for all of us, be a substitute for all of us. Then we talk about how he rose from the dead three days later, just like the scriptures. That's the work of Jesus. Okay. No one else could do that. He ascends into heaven and sits at, at the right hand of God. See, the work of Jesus. Jesus, through his work, he defeated sin, death, and Satan. That's his work on your behalf and my behalf. He defeated sin, death, and Satan. And so what that means is, understand, while the death rate may be right at 100%, death doesn't have the last word. Because Jesus is living hope. Verse two says to you and me, who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Because Jesus led that perfect life and poured out his blood uh, on the cross for us, it washed away all of our sins. And so you and I do have an amazing relationship with God. Okay, without Jesus and his work, that's not there. Okay, nada, nothing. But because of Jesus, it's right there and available for you and me every single second of every day. Verse four says, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Jesus is telling us his work, it's already done. Okay, you don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about him coming through. It's already through. Jesus is telling us with these words, you know, your citizens. Okay, your citizens. Not so much citizens of the United States or India or the UK, but citizens of heaven first and foremost with all its rights and privileges. Verse nine says, you are receiving the result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, okay? So salvation is already ours. It's already been earned for us, uh, paid for by mercy, and we can't unearn it because it's ours by grace in the first place, God's undeserved love, okay? That's the work of Jesus. And, and the, the issue is, is a lot of times Christians just stop right there. And that's it. Okay. But that's not it. Because we have living hope. And living hope is not only based on the work of Jesus, but it is also based on the person of Jesus. Okay? See, when you and I pray, uh, we're not just thinking our thoughts to ourselves. 
When when you and I pray, we're we're not just saying words that are going to bounce off the walls. We're talking to Jesus, who's alive. He's listening to us. And he understands absolutely everything we're going through. Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be on the outside. He knows what it's like to not fit in. He knows what it's like to be despised, to be rejected, to be misunderstood, to suffer. He understands all of that. Psalm 23 says that Jesus' rod and his staff, they they comfort us. Well, if we have his, his rod and his staff, then we also have him, okay? He's here with us. Maybe you can kind of think of it this way, like, like in, in science class and stuff, atoms, you and I can't see atoms, but you can, they're here. You can see them under a microscope. Jesus is here. Maybe can't see him with our naked eye. Maybe can't see him underneath the microscope, but through faith, we see that he's here. And he's here and he guides and leads us as we live in a place where we don't belong. And more than that, Jesus sends us his Holy Spirit too, just like he promised. Sends his Holy Spirit. It gives us peace in the middle of persecution, strength in the middle of suffering, and victory when it seems like all's a loss. See, living hope, that's yours and mine. It's Christianity, living hope. Living hope based on the work of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and the promises of Jesus. Here's a promise that you can bank on. It's a promise that you and I actually need every single day of our lives. Jesus promises you and me, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You're with Jesus, and you're always going to be with Jesus. The promise of salvation is secure because it's all based on the work and character of Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, it's going to change everything. Okay? Everything that's broken is going to be repaired. Everything that's hurt is going to be healed. All the questions that you have that are unanswered right now, they'll be answered when Jesus comes back. Jesus has an inheritance for you and me that's far greater than if we won the lottery. And you tell me if you won the lottery ticket last night, you know, what'd that be like? This inheritance is far, far greater than, it's far greater than winning the publishing clearinghouse thing for 7,000 bucks a week for the rest of your life. It's better than, than having a, a penthouse on Fifth Avenue in New York or, uh, you know, this vacation home in wherever your favorite place is. Those things that just look like cardboard boxes compared to what Jesus has waiting for you and me. See, one day, one day, we'll have glory. It'll be glory that you and I haven't seen 
the glory is so good, so great that you and I haven't even dreamed of it yet. Peter tells us that it's going to be like this. There's going to be suffering and then glory. Say, just acknowledge this, okay? In life, suffering, then glory. It's that way for Jesus. There was suffering and then glory. It'll be that way for you and me as well. Suffering and then glory. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says of this suffering, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, what, what suffering can do for us in these tough times of suffering is it can refine us. It can point out those places and those things and those people that we've been trusting on and leaning on instead of God. It, it shows those things aren't safe fully and secure fully, but God is. And when we're in that glory, there's no going back. You're not going to lose it, okay? When you're in that glory, there's, there's no going back. It's all good. It's amazing. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's exhilarating. It's exciting. It's renewing day after day. We're never going to go, oh my goodness, another great day. Yeah. In glory. When we're in glory, there'll be no sickness or pain or suffering. There'll be no bills. That sounds good, right? There'll be no worries. There'll be no disappointments. Uh, there'll be no illnesses. There'll be no fake news. There'll be no pandemics. Paul says, I, I consider that our, our present sufferings, what we're going through now, what, what lies ahead here on earth, I consider that our, our present surf, sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Hang on. Remain faithful. Sufferings now, nothing compared to the glory. Now, if, if you're here today or, or worshiping online and, and things are going pretty smooth for you, you're probably going, oh, that message is good, good. I hope everybody's hearing that. It's going through a tough time, right? But if you're suffering, you're going, oh, gosh. You know, and, and I know that as we're here this morning, there's a whole lot of you suffering, Some of you, it's, it's over loss. Loss of a loved one. A loss of a job. A loss of a way of life. For some of you, there's court battles and strife. There's injustices. There's sickness and health issues. They're very difficult times. There's spiritual attacks. There are prayers that you've prayed for decades now and you're just waiting. I want you to know that no matter who you are, right? God sees you and God knows and God cares for you. He loves you. He's cheering for you. He's with you to give you strength. He's so proud of you. 
says, I, I see the suffering that you're going through and you love me even though you don't see me with your eyes. So proud of you. Fix your hope on Jesus. Hope determines your future. Jesus is living hope. Okay? Think about it. If I, if I go to run a marathon and, and I hope that I just make it to mile one, you know, if I can just make it to mile one, that's really my hope. Do you really think I'm going to make it the next 25.2 miles? Fix your hope on Jesus. Life, you see, is a marathon. There's ups and downs. There's suffering and grief. But there's also hope and joy. Don't get discouraged. In Jesus, you have living hope that leads you to cross the finish line into glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today in the midst of, of our life. Maybe some good times and some bad. Some suffering, some grief. We thank you that through you, we have living hope. And so we can rejoice even in times of suffering because we know that through Jesus, glory is ours for eternity. Lord, send your Holy Spirit and keep us faithful. In the powerful and saving name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.